what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Cinema, where our motto is, we just hope it doesn't suck. This is episode 289, where today we're talking about our thoughts on The Gray Man from Netflix. I am one of, I am your only host tonight, Grayson Maxwell, and joining me is a new is a new uh, podcast guest making her podcast debut. Kate, why don't you say hello? Hello. <laughs> that's it. That's all you got. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got for right now. All right, fair enough. Welcome, Kate, to For the Love of Cinema. It's super good to have you on. And uh, for you listeners out there, it's the, it's a bonus because Kate also worked on the Gray Man. Yes, for ten months. Ten whole months. Well, good, good, good. And that, so I met Kate when I was I worked on Harold and the Purple Crayon in Atlanta, and Kate was the other. She was the key second assistant. I was the not key second assistant. I was the regular second assistant. But and um, I got to know that she worked on all these cool movies. So I got to get her on this one for the discussion. But it's good to have you on, Kate, and I'm excited to talk about the Gray Man with you. Very excited. Well, cool. <laughs> I liked the movie. <laughs> there you go. Fiend. Wrap it up. All right. So what we do here, Kate, is more of a freeform kind of conversation. Our thoughts right. just as we work our way through characters, plot, how we, th- how we, how we think the movie worked as a whole. But uh, without further ado, um, we're going to jump right in. However, I always do the particulars first, which okay. I didn't have it up. So let me get those up. We start with the Rotten Tomato score just to kind of see what other people are seeing. We already have our thoughts locked in. And the Tomato Meter, which is the critics, is sitting at a 46%, which I think is pretty accurate. What I take issue with is the audience score at 91%. That means 91 out of 100 people scored this movie above a above a 5 or just a, gave it a positive score, not a negative score. In, in the Rotten Tomatoes. That's all that means. So 91 people out of 100 gave it a positive score rather than a negative score. So do you do you, do you you agree or disagree with those numbers after having seen this movie? I agree with the numbers. You agree with the tomato meter sitting at 46 and the audience score 91? I'd probably be amongst the audience. <laughs> really? I'm more amongst the tomato meter. So this is going to be an interesting one because I... Um, I, see, this is very. This is going to be very divisive for me because, and I'll tell you why. Um, it's a. I think it's a big deal that this movie even even got made. I, I really think it's a bigger deal than. Um, I think I think it's a bigger deal than people are going to give it credit for, only because. From what perspective? Well, it's a huge cast. It's a huge. It's a huge okay. cast. Huge director. Um, it's just enormous when it comes to movies of this caliber. But I mean, what what are your what are your thoughts on that? And you not being as much of a movie person as I am, wonder how do you figure about? I mean, you were working on it. You heard the cast. You heard the director. Yeah. I mean, that had to be kind of a that had to be kind of a, a a pull for you to work on that, right? Um, not necessarily. <laughs> um, it was just another job. <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, fair. Okay, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Let's get into some particulars. Of course, a smaller cast yet star-studded. In the forms of Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, and then we have a couple others. We have Jessica Henwick, Renee Jean Page, Wagner Mora, Julie Butters, Alfred Woodard, uh, and Billy Bob Thornton. I'm very happy mm-hmm. Billy Bob Thornton was in this, and I have my theory as to why. Uh, but we have 
Joe Russo and Anthony Russo, the Russo brothers who did the last few Avenger movies up to Endgame, up to and including Avengers Endgame. So they were the, kind of the architects of the last few of those. And it's important to note this is a book being adapted uh, by the writer Mark Greeny is the writer of the excuse me, is the writer of the novel. All right, so with the particulars out of the way, let's jump into the Gray Man. Kate, how would you how would you sum up the Gray Man? Oh, you want a summary? Okay. Just not a your basic assassin movie, or is there more going on? Um. Hmm. Yeah, it's a spy thriller. Uh, I think that the main character came from a troubled past, and that also flavored his uh, how he dealt with things. Um, and then there's the villain, uh, Captain America. Um, and I don't know his backstory, but he's crazy. And um, what else? Uh they're just trying to save the little girl. That's basically what I got it from it. And they're setting it up for another show. They are setting it up for a sequel, which is surprising because this one didn't do the mega numbers it was supposed to. Now, keep in mind, it was... So, this was a budget of... It was of in the top ten, but yes. This was a budget of $200 million and it stayed mm-hmm. number one for eight days. Uh, just for a little bit of... Just for a little bit of reference here, Tiger King was number one on Netflix. I think it still holds the record for 17 days straight. I don't think anything's beat that. Yet. I could be wrong, but I don't think anything's beat that yet. There's something Didn't Bridgerton? Oh, was it Bridgerton? No, I think we talked about this working on Harold. I don't think that was. I think it was oh. a day or two short. Maybe I'm wrong, though. But just for a little bit of perspective, yeah. Things don't stay in number one on Netflix very long. This one managed to stay in number one for eight days. That's pretty impressive. I, I, I got to say it's pretty impressive. So that's that's a big deal. Now here's where my other parts of the big deal come in is Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans are by themselves two of the best male actors we have on the planet. Like they're mm-hmm. they're just for their age group, we call them what young men, not yet like older guys, but still younger guys. Um, they sure. are they're about as as good an actor as you can possibly find. I think Ryan. Yeah, Gosling, Ryan Gosling was in the Notebook, and now he's going to be in Barbie. <laughs> yes yes and did you catch the the reference in this movie there's several references yeah. to a bunch of ryan gosling chris i think one. said something oh did he yeah he, he may have i have um, something about 10 million if you shoot that ken doll in the head oh yep yep that's the yep someone calls him ken someone also refers to him as a robot and he was k in blade runner 2049 so oh, there's a true. couple of, yeah yeah also but let's just go for a second down a little bit of their filmography. I think the notebook really made Ryan Gosling. Uh, I think that really was the first movie that really kind of made him, although he was part of the Mickey Mouse Club early in his life. Yeah, true. So that, that was a big deal. He was on Young, Young Hercules for a long time. That was kind of a big deal back then. And remember the Titans. He wasn't the main character. No, he was Sunshine. Yeah, something. Sunshine. No. Oh, a- Alan Bosley. No, Sunshine was the other quarterback. Yeah, he was, he was oh. just Alan. Yeah, I listened to that movie quite a bit. Uh, he had a very divisive movie called The Believer, which was an interesting one. And yeah, then of course he went right into he had Murder by Numbers with who was the other star? Sandra in Bullock. Sandra Bullock. And there was a was there another was that that wasn't well that was also Ben Chaplin. That's right. Um, uh-huh. Michael Pitt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for for some reason, what's the movie with? Anthony Hopkins. Oh, that, that was Fracture. Okay, around around this, maybe a year or two later. 
Uh, and then the Notebook 2004 kind of really catapulted him to superstardom. Um, then he did uh, he did Stay, Half Nelson, Fracture, Lars and the Real Girl, People Love, Blue Valentine. Uh, and then another one I think is very pertinent to this conversation, Drive. Now, you've seen Drive. Of course you've seen Drive being from Los Angeles. Yeah. It had good music. And had, there was that uh, jacket he wore, I think, the entire time. It had, yeah, it really did have great music. That was shot in Los Angeles, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Because when I was in Los Angeles working on The Dark Knight Rises, a lot of the crew had just come from, or had recently done, um, had recently done Drive, and they were all psyched about it. And we ended up watching it, and it was a fantastic movie. It really was. And then yeah. he, I think, so I think The Notebook, Drive, and then I think movies like uh, The Nice Guys, La La Land, of course, was a huge for him, Blade Runner, yeah. First Man. He's had a lot of he's had a lot of good movies. I mean, Chris Evans, on the other hand, is not so many hits, but a huge number of Marvel movies. And he was also in Fantastic Four, right? Yeah, that was him. He was Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four. He voiced TMNT. He voiced Casey in TMNT, and one of my favorite movies of of all time, bar none, Sunshine. Have you ever seen that? Yes, I did. By Danny Boyle, that's a hell of a movie, and that's like that's one of the best sci-fi movies on my list of all time. It's definitely in the top three. Man, it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, he he did some other ones, a couple of Marvel movies. Uh, he was in Snowpiercer, which of course was huge. Try to find another one. He, oh, Gifted, which that movie is excellent. That movie's a ten. Gifted with that little girl, I forget her name, McKenna Grace. That too. Uh, he oh, was yeah. really great in Gifted. That. Uh, and then, of course, he recently has done Knives Out. He did Defending Jacob on Apple TV. He was he, he was in Free Guy as Chris Evans. I forgot about that. Um, and <laughs> and Lightyear was, of course, the oh, most yeah, recent thing. New... Yeah, he is. I've been doing a lot of talking. You want to have any comments about uh, Chris Evans, Hollywood hunks, Ryan Reynolds, or Chris Evans? Um, no, you're doing a good job. <laughs> Okay, well, that's just a little bit of background. When I see a movie, The Gray Man, come up, I'm just expecting, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting this massive, this massive, um, epic journey for Netflix, and I don't think The Gray Man was that. One thing that we talked about two years ago on the show was Extraction with Chris Hemsworth. Uh, it's a, it's another kind of, it's a, like a military thriller. He's but I mean, kind of the shtick of that movie is, you know, very long, very, very long unedited fight scenes, which are very well choreographed. And the more I think about, it, the more impressive it is because those are so hard to get right all the time. Stuntmen really have to get their marks right. And the the character of Tyler Rake, I think, is one of Netflix's best creations. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that movie is one of Netflix's finest movies they've ever done. Uh, and that's what I was holding this one to. And... Unfortunately, the gray man does not hold a candle to extraction, like not even a little, not, not even a tiny candle, like nothing, but it's unfortunate. Did you watch extraction too? Yeah, I did, but I actually preferred, um, the gray man to extraction, but that's just an opinion of mine. Interesting. Well, I mean, everyone, I mean, that's, you know, film is subjective if nothing else. So yeah, no, of course. So going into it, let's talk about where this movie starts, where we catch up with, uh, number six. He's in a, a prison. He's in a prison. This is see the, the immediately within the, within the first ten seconds, 
maybe not 10 seconds within that first three minute clip of him and Billy Bob Thornton. It, I was, I had four red flags. <laughs> and four. what would those be? Like, well, I, I'm not sure I like the comedy in this movie. I'm not sure it ever works. I don't but know. That's just my opinion. But also I wanted something that was a little more serious. I wanted, oh. I didn't want the jokes. I didn't want the, you know, he used the, Billy Bob Thorne calls him glib. I didn't want the glib in this movie. I just, I, I wanted a serious, you know, with Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling, I want, I want a level work. I want, you know, a, a but movie the actors were Oscar. encouraged to ad lib. Were they? So you'd know that more than anyone else. You would definitely know that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, they were encouraged to ad, ad lib. And um, I thought the dry humor was kind of refreshing in an action film. Because with Born Identity, there wasn't much uh, comedy. It was more action. <laughs> well, okay. So here's this. When we talk about, of course, when we talk about one of these movies, we have to talk about uh, some other movies similar. Of course, there's James Bond, Ethan yeah. Hunt, Jason Bourne. There's John Wick. There's nobody. Jack There's Reacher. Jack Reacher's on my list. There's the Atomic Blonde movie with Charlize Theron, and there's mm-hmm. Salt from 2008, which was a less, a much less successful than any Angelina of the other. Yeah, they really tried to make her something in that one. They really tried to make that a franchise. Uh, I, I, I was not a huge Salt fan, but I mean, I understand why people like it. I just, to me, it's a much lesser version of the rest of those I just named. Um, and also, let's not forget about Kingsman. I mean, these are all movies are in the same vein. Yes. So, I mean, we're getting, we have our fair share of, you know, these kind of assassin movies and these, these people that both men and women that these movies try to sell as these unstoppable killing machines. It's just, and you know, each one trying to up the bounty, up the ante on the next one and just do more awesome stunts, you know, be it longer uncut scenes or just more intense. Mm hmm. I'm just not sure where this one fits into any of that. But anyway, we'll we'll, we'll get into that a little little while down the line. <laughs> um, what was your impression with how the movie started? You liked the comedy, of course, when he's sitting in the in the jail and he's offered him talking gum. about the bubble gum. Yes. Yeah, he says, "What flavor?" So Gosling, a little bit back. Gosling's character is what number six? His name? Yes. Or Agent Six, whatever. Sierra he's in, Six. Sierra Six. He is Court Gentry. Um, that is his name i see here mm-hmm. that's actually a great name fuck it's a great name um so he's in prison and he's going to he's not up for parole until 20 it's in 2003 he's still not up for parole until until 2031 <laughs> which oh, is a wow. long time which is a long long time is didn't it didn't it didn't billy bob say that in the beginning yes he did you're not up for parole until he was uh in prison i think for killing his father his, his father but I mean, you yeah. get more. You get more of that backstory later, and it actually kind of makes it not so bad. However, when Billy Bob's character offers him gum, when let's see, let me find him. Billy Bob's name is oh Donald Fitzroy offers him gum. He says, "What flavor?" And he he says, "What does he say? Watermelon something." I think it's a watermelon fusion or something. And he and then he record responds with, "Because there's no other flavor." Yeah. There is no other flavor, none. <laughs> Which it kind of sets the tone of the movie up. Unfortunately, as that. Yeah. Um. I, that's my first red flag. Was oh no, oh no, oh no. Well, I mean, it's taking itself not too seriously. 
but knowing the product, does that work? Well, you notice how they were all wearing the tag uh, watches. Was it um, tag Hulu? Tag Hulu, I think. Yeah, that might have been it. Yeah. It's just a name brand thing. It'll be why. Hmm. Mm-mm. I just, I, it's just, it's against my own personal stylings of what I want to see from these guys. But I mean, it's not like Ryan Gosling doesn't have. I mean, Nice Guys is a movie, is a movie just like that, a, a, a more serious film noir with some comedy in it. So, and and Gosling's the source of a lot of that comedy. So I, I can understand. Right. He's, it's not like he's never done it before. Is my point. Mm-hmm. And so that a deal is struck, kind of a, um, kind of a Suicide Squad deal, where he helps them, he helps the government. And they reduce his sentence, and possibly get him out sooner than poss- than than he's supposed to be, and so he he agrees. And it's you know it's kind of it's kind of one of those movies where he's given information, and then and then and then he is himself set up, and the the Chris Evans character is the one sent to kill him, and it's then it's just big, it's just this big nonstop kind of dance that doesn't that really doesn't stop. And I, I don't really know how I feel about that either because we don't really get much time to just, especially when the little girl gets involved, we don't really get much time to kind of just stop for a second and reel. And we just, it's just go, 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 go. How do you feel about that? Well, I like that they didn't spend too much time with uh, some of the fight sequences. And they did, I, I personally think that they developed the story enough that I kind of knew what was going on. Um, and you knew that the reason why Six was so protective over the girl, am I allowed to say? (laughs) Yeah. Um, because he was sent to protect her when, uh, Fitzroy had to go somewhere else and they spent, I don't know, a couple weeks together where he was the protector. And then, so two years later when this, the whole fight sequence happens and she gets taken, he's like the big brother, I think. Well, that's that. I mean, that's his backstory. Is I mean, what he did, he he did in defense of of somebody else that he's related to. So of of, of course, that's that's a, that's a big deal. And I like stuff like that, like little backstories. I kind of would would have preferred that we didn't get that actually. Really. I I mean I I know it's used to strengthen the bond to him and the girl. Although that doesn't, to me, that's not really a brother sister or a brother brother kind of relationship um i would have thought almost with with the girl he was just felt like kind of like a father like kind of like a surrogate father almost to her and that's why he was doing it but you'd have to rework the story a little bit to keep because that's what things that's one of the few things that works in this movie really well is of course his tie to his brother what he did and then this little girl thrown into his life however the little girl is to me is and i know there's a book and it'd be it'd be tough to change the book but that is very that's an element that is very often thrown in movies like this. You give the main character someone to protect so yeah. he doesn't just so he you can focus the story where you need to where you need to focus it and make the character go where you need him to go based on the protection he needs to provide. And that's you But know, isn't that similar to like James Bond and all that stuff too? Of, of of course. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is like like what Chris said before we started recording. Uh Chris was with us briefly folks and he had to go um he had to tend to his daughter who is not feeling the best but something chris said is it's 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 been done and it's been done a lot so i mean but again this is the, the, you're the, we're adapting a book here 
So I, I don't know how, how much creative liberty you can take with the little girl because she is such an integral part of the story. Well, she was also, what was it? She had a pacemaker and she was very much um, a weak character that had to be protected. Well, that's the, that's the whole thing is, and our guy court is not weak. That's one of the things I did like about the movie. And I'm not sure how other people would perceive this, but I really, I really felt like he was, you know, in some films you watch and you just, you never get the vibe that the actor is the character. He, the actor is doing these things. Um, I really got the vibe that he was, I mean, he's a, if you, I walked away from this movie. One of the things is, you know, Ryan Gosling's court gentry. He's a killer. He is an absolute killer. And that's what I liked about it. I didn't think that so much about Evan's character because he was constantly cracking jokes. He was constantly relieving the tension that was built up. And for me, I just that just didn't work for his character. But I mean, I understand why he was doing it. It just, for me, it didn't work. How, how do you feel about the Chris Evans character? He was a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, as, yeah. Ver, I well can't said. have any compassion for him. <laughs> Not not his wonderful 80s stash either. No. <laughs> no. Um, and it was hard to picture him in a villain role after he was Captain America, Mr. Nice Guy. That's the thing. Is like I, I, I think he's he wanted to get out of playing the Captain America because he didn't want to be typecast. I think he I think that the damage is already done. Chris Evans from, oh, yeah. from here from here from here on out is he is Captain America. I don't think there's anything to do to stop that really. Oh yeah, definitely. But I mean, that's I, not a bad thing, I guess. But for him, it's a bad thing. Not not for us. No, but um, it was hard to see him as the villain, and it was hard that um, he had so many mercenaries at his uh, disposal, and he didn't uh, plan a effective strategy in getting uh, six. And so he just wasted all these mercenaries. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's why the other character, that's why the woman character, the agent with him kind of overseeing him just so he doesn't, just so the agency always has tabs on what he's doing. Is right. she, I mean, she several times says, you don't know what you're doing. You, oh, yeah. You're, you're, you're throwing men at this guy and he's going to keep killing them. You have no idea what you're doing. You're just disposing. You're just wasting good agents. And I, I kind of get that. How, however, was that Suzanne? That was. Okay. Maybe it was Suzanne. Suzanne. Uh, yeah, Suzanne Jessica Henwick. I, I think that might might have been it. Yes, but she her character. I actually thought differently of her character. I, <laughs> in the end, I thought it was going to be her that did it. Oh um, no. And, or at least, like, I thought it was going to be her that. Even though she does, do, I thought she was gonna like assassinate somebody, and I was like, "But she, I mean, she kind of does, kind of does." She did. Yeah, you know, she does. But like, I thought it was gonna be like one of those like, I just I thought it was they, they were gonna take that scene one step further, <laughs> and they didn't. But it's oh, all right. I think it, they're setting that up for the next uh, movie because I think they're trying to say don't under underestimate her with um what she can do. That was my next point. Is like, are they gonna? Are they going to take this character to somewhere? Is she going to be? Well, I mean, what was she a villain in the next one? I don't know. Well, I mean, 
I know they're hinting at a sequel, but I don't know anything about it yet. <laughs> oh, they've already, I've already, they've already greenlit it. I don't know if they're, oh. I don't know if they're like opening a production office yet, but they've already, they've already, um, like definitely agreed to a sequel. The Rousseau brothers again. I don't know why the Rousseau brothers are wasting their time on this. Um, I mean, they're they're. I, I don't think they're better than this. I just think. I just think this is. This material is weird for them for them to take on. I feel like they've already done this, and I don't know why they're doing it again. But. So let's talk about how this movie moves forward. Like with the character of Anadarmus helping. You know, it's funny in a character with Ryan Gosling. Sorry, in a movie with Ryan Gosling and. Chris Evans as pitted as two people against each other. They're not even in the most interesting fight. Neither one of them is in the most interesting fight. Anna Armas has the most interesting fight with, you remember the guy she's fighting? I think that is the best part of the movie, actually. Which fight are you talking about? Are you talking about the ballroom scene or are you talking about which one? I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking about the guy she gets the pendant from. Oh, yes. Um, was that Lone Wolf? I think so. Um, okay. I, I think that was actually the more interesting sequence in the movie. At least though that was the most interesting, you know, pairing off in the movie. I thought anyway, that's just, you know, my own opinion, but that's, that's what I thought. But I could tell that lone wolf was going to trade sides as soon as he heard that um, they were going to kill the little girl. Well, right. And because then... they do, a, they did an entire cutaway shot of his reaction of that. And they made, and they had him say, "Wait, you're gonna? There's a little girl in this." Like he was concerned. Yeah, and then they said he wasn't getting paid for the services he already did, so he was totally gonna change sides. I don't even know why they had the fight sequence with the, uh, the rope. Oh yeah, I mean because they could, and they needed to fill time quota. I'm, I'm sure, and it's, I mean, oh, probably. And it's, you know, these, these things are weird how they go down. Netflix is not like a normal studio. They have their own, you know, check. They have their own box to check off. However, um, I never. One thing I guess I just I never got. To me, it's always the it's the James Bond, Ethan Hunt, Jason Bourne test. I never thought anyone in this movie. I never thought Sierra Six or or any anyone in this movie measured up to anyone. I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say the Jason. The Jason Bourne is my favorite of the big three: Ethan Hunt, James Bond, Jason Bourne. They never just no one in this movie measures up to them, to to anyone in the, in the Bourne stuff. To me, um, that's, just, that's a big deal to me. I liked Pierce Brosnan as Double um, O Seven. Did you really? Out of those, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Pierce Brosnan is the pretty boy who who brought like the pretty boy charm back to Bond. Um, I like Pierce a lot. I heard he's a dick though. I don't know. Can can you confirm that he is an he's a difficult actor to work with? Oh, I don't know. I haven't worked with Pierce Brosnan <laughs> yet. <laughs> but I, I mean, I loved all his movies, but that's a different story. Handsome son of a gun he is. Yeah. I like Pierce Brosnan a lot. I really, that's one guy I really, I'd really love to have a 10 minute conversation with Pierce Brosnan. It's just, I just, so many things I want to talk to him about. But back to Anna Darmus' character is, I, I, I'm not sure. How effective do you think her character was in as, as far as being integral to the story? Um, she was a good sidekick to Sierra Six. Um, I think, though, that it seemed a little forced. Sometimes it did. I think sometimes her character felt a little forced. 
I don't like it when characters feel invincible. That's there's there's a fine line between the Jason Bourne and invincibility. And you know, Greengrass and the other I forget who directed the other some of those Greengrass and um I forget the guy's name, but there's two guys that did some of those movies and they were great. Is you never I never got the I never thought he was invincible. But you remember the scene when she's towards the end when she's running and gunning and none of these trained assassin snipers can shoot her. None of them can hit her. Like none of them. Well, what about the time when uh, Six is getting stabbed in the arm and in the side and he just keeps going? (laughs) (laughs) Well, but I kind of believe that a little more than I believe her running through dozens of mercenaries who are shooting at her, who are trained bad guys and can't, they can't, no one can hit this girl. Like no one. Like I just. Well, she is tiny. She is tiny. She's wearing black and she's firing rockets on the go. I get it. I don't know, but it's. I guess is some people in this movie did feel invincible to me. Um, they weren't like a well-trained killer, but I, I did think that what's this, um, Sierra six felt real, but, and no one else I don't think felt real to me, if that makes sense. And, that, and that's a huge problem for me because that takes me completely out of a movie. At least as far well, as I'm sitting there on my couch, enjoying it, it, it makes me think, ah, I'm on my couch. I'm not, I'm not invested in this. Yeah. Um, but what about like Fitzroy, uh, the guy who trained six and four and probably all the other numbers? I like Fitzroy. I well, I like Billy Bob Thornton a lot more than a lot more than I think most people. I think he's a I think he's an awesome actor. I really love Billy Bob what he can do, and I part of me thinks that see I don't I haven't read the book and I just found out there was a book like two weeks ago. Uh, I, I might dive dive into it one day. Um, it's it's I mean something I have interest in, but. I wonder how different the Fitzroy character is in the book than in this adaption. I would, I'd be, I'd be interesting to know if Netflix thought they needed, if Netflix for some reason thought that they needed a character, a Billy Bob Thornton, someone who's been around a while and screams adult to really offset Gosling and Chris Evans because they're still younger guys. You're not going to draw the 65-year-old crowd in without Billy Bob. Oh, yeah. Well, he's supposed to be like their advisor or their mentor. Fair enough. I mean, that's that, – no, I understand. But I wonder if how they – I don't know how old he's supposed to be in the book and if maybe if they aged him up or aged him down or however they dealt with it. I'd like to know that because that would tell me a lot of the casting choice too of – I mean, for some of these, you got to just – I mean, a lot of Kevin Costner films, especially the films in the 80s and 90s, worked so well because he was always he was a smart enough actor to know he needed someone older with a ton of gravitas to help him through those roles i'm not saying billy bob's doing that for these two as a matter of fact it's probably the way around however fitzroy kind of does anchor the movie a little bit i was really pissed and this is a weird spoiler i was really upset he didn't survive oh yeah that was, I was sad. not for even for the sake of the girl but because I think Fitzroy would have been a valuable character for sequels. You know, he's always yeah. the guy that kind of moves around and knows what the agency's doing and kind of gives his guys a heads up and Len gives them help when they need it. And I just, that's just my mind what I, what I think they could do with the character, but uh, yeah. And the fact that they used a grenade, there's no way that they can bring him back magically for the sequel. I mean, 
I was gonna say a comment about. I don't know. It's Rousseau brothers and and Marvel. They tend to bring everyone goddamn back. And oh, I'm sure they're, that they'll figure out some way if they want to. <laughs> I mean, we never saw it, so if you don't see it, didn't happen. And you, I mean, you can always do right. like an off screen. He threw the grenade and it was enough to kill his captors, but it just barely wounded him. Yeah, yeah, I I, I get it, but I think he's dead. I, I think he's Kaputsky. I know it's kind of a weird spoiler, but I mean, not everyone can survive this movie. Him or the little girl. One of them was not going to make it out of this movie, and it had to be him. But I wonder if we see the. I wonder if there's, if there's a, if the little girl is going to be a major player in the sequel. Oh, probably. Yeah, he might even have to train her. See, I would love to see. Not that, you know. I mean, she's a, she's played by a very young actress anyway. So I mean, yeah. even in a few years, she's still going to be very young. But I mean, one thing I would love to see is like if there's going to be three of these. If they wait five years between each one of them, I'd love to see her age up, and then we see the transformation happened from this small, frail girl with a with an ailing that's 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 a detriment to her life. She needs medical assistance all the time to this badass warrior that can hold her own in a fist fight. That's I mean yeah. we don't have time for that, and, and there's they're not going to be making gray mans in fifteen years, ten years from now, so it doesn't matter. But I would I think that'd be an interesting never transformation. Well, I mean, with Netflix, they, they don't seem to, <laughs> they seem to buck all the trends anyway. So, yeah, some Julia Butters is, I wasn't too impressed by her performance. It was definitely a child performance. Um, yeah, but, but she seemed, like, she had very intelligent uh, things that she was uh, saying to Six when they were conversing in the beginning of the movie. I did like that. My favorite exchange was, because he does, I mean, in his, def- in her defense, he does act very robot-like. Mm-hmm. Sierra Six does. Like he's all about the mission. He's all about when he's on when he's like just watching over her. Or she's in the pool. He's literally just standing there with his arms at his side, doing nothing, but just just there so she doesn't get hurt. Like, and I love how he says something about, "Oh, go to bed," and she she goes without skipping a beat. Okay, robot, and just goes to bed. Like it's just it's just funny. I I mean that's yeah. one of the times I really kind of like chuckled at that comedy, but I think. The comedy overall is probably a detriment, detriment to the movie. I wonder what the version of this looks like without the comedy, without with Chris Evans being a real, like a serious assassin who's really trying to get Sierra Six. Um, and I wonder what that looks like. I gotta stop saying Chris, Chris Evans, Lloyd Hansen, which Lloyd Hansen, yeah, it's so funny. Court Court Gentry is such a great name, Lloyd Hansen. Let's just say I would never name a son Lloyd Hansen. I'm just well, you're name. supposed to hate him. Well, I I know, especially with that stash. Like, come on now. Uh, this, I wonder what the serious version of this movie looks like. I I wonder. I mean, we're never gonna get it, but I just I wonder. I'm just It'd curious. Probably you, be closer to a horror movie. You think so? How wait? Yeah. How, 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 how so? Well, if you take the comedy out of it, it's just them going and killing each other. Well, then it's just without the comedy. It's just a. It's just it's a. Without, I mean, right now it's a spy thriller with comedy. But without the comedy, right. it's just a spy thriller that it's like Mission Impossible. Like there's one or two lines, throwaway comedy lines, those, but the, for the most part, those are very serious. And the Bourne films, I don't want to say James Bond because James Bond is so far off the mark of believability that, um, yeah, I mean, I guess the Craig movies brought that back a little bit, but especially in the Brosnan era, holy crap, those movies were so unbelievable. My goodness. Oh. How dare you? I like I Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> well, Pierce is a great dude. I just those were the those were like the that was the peak of like 
what I think is the the end of the great Hollywood, the the mid to late the mid to late nineties and early two thousands. Like so, I mean, such overproduced movies, such glamorous gunfights and just bullets flying everywhere, and he always survives everything. <laughs> everything. Well, that's what we want. We want the hero to survive. We don't yeah, want him we, to die. We want it to happen in a way, like in a, in a with with a with a, just a, a fleck of believability, I, I guess. But sure, sure. Yeah, but at the same time, aren't movies a way for all of us to escape reality? <laughs> they are. You're right. They are. It is. Movies can be for some, or can be for anyone who wants to be, and a form of escapism. Yeah. So I mean, therefore, the bullets don't kill him. I mean, during the Great Depression, movies were literally a form of escapism from people getting away from their awful, some people have awful lives, no jobs, yes. no work, no family. I mean, or they're losing family and they just can't pay for it. Like, it was a cheap way to just get away for an hour. But what did you yeah, not like? Yeah, that's the Shirley Temple movies. <laughs> what did you not like about The Gray Man? Let me ask you that. What did you not like? The torture scene with the fingernails. Oh, my goodness. I, I couldn't. <laughs> I was I was like dry heaving. I couldn't, I was like gagging. I couldn't, I, I, I'm so glad we didn't see it. I'm so glad they didn't do the, the effects on Billy Bob. So where we saw it, we just saw the nail come off and like it, we, we just saw it was three nail. nails. Yeah. But like, they just put it on the table. We, we, we didn't see like the nail literally rip out, rip out of his finger. Thank goodness. And I remember seeing the bill for that. <laughs> oh, do you? What was the bill? By the way? I don't remember the amount, but I remember going, what the hell are they buying? <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. We yeah, had the in... nails specially made, so they didn't really take his nails off. If anybody was wondering, I know because <laughs> I I know in this one I just I just paid a I just paid an invoice for a ton of fangs, vampire fangs. Ooh, so, neato. Yeah, yeah, I'd like I'm I'm interested to see how that plays into the movie I'm working on, but uh, yeah, so that's interesting. So you saw the so you saw the invoice for those real looking fake nails. Yes. <laughs> That makes me yes, that I makes did. me so happy. That's great. Um that's super awesome. Yeah, that was not fun to to listen to or to watch or any of it. Like it just wasn't. I just I can't torture scenes they get they get me because it's just I don't want to go through any of it. I'm such a wimp when it comes to bodily harm. I just can't deal with any of it. Am I allowed to have a non sequitur? Of course. Uh when I worked on Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, the editors were in the room next to me. And they had to keep going over and over the torture scene. And I had to leave the building because I'm like, I can't work with them. Keep doing the torture scene. Really? Yeah. That's a nice little aside there. I, I like that. It's interesting. That was good. It had to be like, that was a long time ago. Girl Dragon Tattoo came out like 2010, something like that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it was the one again with Daniel Craig. Yeah, Mara Rooney. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Anyway, yeah, that's I don't I don't do well with torture scenes, but honestly, can I? And I was I was I was kind of worried about bringing this up. You know what this movie reminds me of? What and does I it remind you of? Fast and the Furious. <laughs> and I uh, a little to, bit, yes. I, I wanted to bring just the complete unbelievability of some of these some of these gunfights that are happening, and just because you know, one thing that I don't. One thing that I don't think Hollywood ever really understands how to address, so I just think they never do it, is, you know, sometimes you're just killed by a random bullet. You know, it, it doesn't matter how bad of a shot the guy is that shoots it. If it ricochets or it goes in the right direction, 
You can, you can be the best, most trained agent in the world. Sometimes you're just unlucky. Oh, I'm sure they address that in some of the movies. I just, I, it just, it's hard. It's a hard thing to, it's really a hard thing to, um, to weather with all the gunfights that are going on in this movie, especially that one, that gunfight where he is handcuffed to the park bench. <laughs> and there are especially made park bench. Yeah. And there are dozens of people shooting at him. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I, I question these henchmen. Are they the worst henchmen? I mean, look, henchmen never hit anything in movies. But that's just what henchmen do. But these right. are like these are supposed to be trained assassins, trained killers that are trying to come after them and kill this guy. And none of them can hit him. He's handcuffed in one spot. Well, he flipped over the bench. And then the thing is, is that they could have got him in the hand or in the foot when he tries to reach for the gun. But somehow he doesn't get hit there. He doesn't, and I'm. I love how you're defending this. <laughs> That's well, great. I'm playing devil's advocate. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I mean, someone needs to. It's an interesting thing that never happens to, and that's there's so much. There is so many big, you know, set pieces here where it's like, and it, they're all like this. So, you have the plane, you have the ballroom, you have the park, you have. I mean, then you have the the courtyard, then you have the mansion. Like, there's. There's four or five really good, really expensive, and I I mean I'd imagine this is two hundred million dollar movie. This is no small potatoes. Um, yeah, the ballroom was a interesting one. Everybody in set deck was impressed with it. Like with everyone was like impressed with their own work, like patting themselves on the back. I guess you would call it that. Yeah, no, they everybody was talking about how oh you have to see the ballroom. Oh my gosh. Did you go in the ballroom? Did you see it? Oh no, you were remote. Did, it's you COVID. We yeah, weren't allowed to go on set. That's yeah, true. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, it's, it's 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 interesting. I bet some of those sets were pretty extravagant, though, and they they put tons oh, yeah. they must put tons of money in those sets. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a tough thing to do, though, is build sets for cheap. You, I mean, you you got you got to spend the money. Yeah, the sets and the costumes and the. Uh, we went. I think we went to Prague for a month or so, after we finished filming in Long Beach. Oh, so it was Prague and Long Beach then. That's where the, all the locations were. I think so, yes. Because there was a way that I didn't think you could. I know this was shot during COVID. I, I didn't know. I didn't know like the particulars, but it's watching some of these scenes. I'm like, there's no way you can fake this. Like that is Prague. They definitely went to Prague. Yeah, we we went to we went over there. Um, but then a good chunk of it was done on set. Um, on a stage. I can imagine, but some of those exterior shots. There's no way they could have done anywhere but on location in Prague. So especially like the one where he's handcuffed, that's definitely not. I mean, that's definitely not in the U.S. anywhere. No, no, definitely not. What's so what, what are some of the more interesting um, if you can just be very vague about it, some of the more interesting invoices you remember seeing? Like, I wonder what this is going to be like. Oh, goodness. Uh, some of the rentals. Um. There's I bet there a lot was... of heavy uh, military stuff. I was going to say, I bet you there was a ton of guns. Tons of guns. Yeah, and I was surprised by how many water guns. Really? Because they paint them to look like um, guns. Oh, right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. Inter- yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool, though. How they And there was an actual water gun in this movie. <laughs> Didn't... Yeah, in the beginning, yes. Yeah, he and had it an had a chip in it. What do you mean a chip? It had uh, a chip that he used to get into the room. Oh, right, 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 yeah. So that's... that he could kill yep. the bad guy, which turned out to be Sierra 4. 
Yeah, that's. I like that a lot, though. I like the lot that it, I mean, because we use that opening scene not only to see how much of a trained how much of a trained badass Sierra Six is, but we also learn that the the, the company turns on its agents on a dime mm-hmm. when 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 they need to or when they when they when they sense some something's been bad, then they just instead of figure it out, they just kill them, they just re- remove them. Well, especially that Carmichael guy, which we know is not above board. Right, 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 right. Oh man, I because that, there's uh, there's that scene when that same scene we're talking about when he uses the water gun to get in the room and he's supposed to kill the he's supposed to kill the guy there below him on the 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 ceiling of his. It's like all that he can see people, but they can't see him. And then mm-hmm. he's like gun jammed. I mean, there's there's characterization there that I I think I kind of un- underestimated a little little bit, but. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. The, the whole he's like the gun jammed, and they're like, no, it just he just didn't fire. He walked away. So I mean, Sierra Six, he kind of put himself on that. But I wonder if there's well, a different. Well, he didn't want to kill the kid that was standing in front of the bad guy. Right, but I mean, I wonder how you become Sierra Six for so long and not have to do some of that wet work, some of that kill an innocent bystander to kill your target. Yeah, but I think it goes along with that they're trying to say that he's an assassin, but he has a moral code that he won't cross. Well, I mean, it, that makes sense because the the guy that Anna Darmus's character fights, he walks away saying these, these people have no honor. Oh, the lone wolf, yeah. Means at one time, he really believed that there were honor, there was honor among what he and the ones like him did. So, I mean, there's there's, there's a code that's being violated by by Lloyd and company that it, it of course court CR six will not violate. And of course that that's what separates, you know, heroes from villains. But yeah, I mean, that's, it's a pretty stark contrast there. what do you really love about this? Uh, I, I would say, I don't know. I, I liked it because I could, be compassionate for our lead character and that the story runs smoothly enough that um, they didn't spend too much time on the fight sequences that you're like, okay, come on, you guys finish um, the sequence. So I think it just ran smoothly and the music was a good moving piece. I can agree with you about the fight scenes. None of them lasted too, too long. Oh, we got to add the train to the to the set pieces because the train was definitely one too. Oh yeah, that was a yeah. None of the fight sequences kind of overstayed their welcome. They all kind of got in and out pretty quick. Uh, I did like, and this movie was what about an hour and four forty five hour and fifty minutes, something like that. Oh, it was over two hours long. No, I think the credits were like ten minutes. I I think the movie was two oh nine. Okay, so the movie was two hours. The credits were ten minutes. Okay, two oh nine. That's that's about right. Um, 128 minutes it says. So yeah, well, isn't the sense. average movie like I don't know 90 minutes? No, the average movie is an hour and 45. So I stand corrected. I'm sorry. No, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I just I don't think it's 90 anymore. I think it's about an hour and 45 minutes, which would be 90 plus 15, so 105 minutes. <laughs> I did that quick okay. quick math in my head. I didn't have my calculator next 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 to me. My oh, 10 okay. key. I did not. Um, well, let's move into the closing our comments then for our viewing of the Gray Man. Is I I don't think Netflix has 
a movie that has the staying power they think it does. Oh, it it, it might to 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 the to normies. When ninety one percent of the audience likes it. <laughs> well, yes, and that that's what has me a little. Usually the other way around. Usually the critics were, or no, no, no. It, it is it is like that. Usually the audience is the highest, and the critics are the lowest. You're right. I just don't see. I just have a hard time seeing that 91% is a number for the audience. That's what I have a hard time with. It's because, I mean, I just, me being someone who loves these movies, just, I, it didn't, it didn't catch me. It didn't make me really kind of get into it, which Extraction really did. I'm obsessed with Extraction. I love that movie. I, I, I speak accolades on that movie. There's so much good stuff going on in Extraction. So you're going to see a sequel. Of course I will. I, I was I was almost able to go work on the sequel, Ooh. <laughs> and I mean almost as in like I was two degrees away from, like I, I had to get I went I I managed to I got an email from someone who says hey I heard you wanted to do this if someone else turns it down with the accountant I can put your name in for consideration, but the the person didn't turn it down so the accountant never even knew I existed so I mean I, well, it was a little further away than I thought it was gonna be but the I I really thought extraction is one of netflix's best things and it, it does a whole lot that makes you think and really kind of to me it's to me that movie is is amazing but this one is kind of just floating in the ether of it's there i like it and you know what the funny part is chris hemsworth not even is isn't even as strong an actor as those two as ryan gosling or chris evans he's no i, I don't think he's anywhere close to as strong an actor as either one of those guys and he still carried a movie better than these guys did. Now, again, Extraction is different. There's no comedy. It's more focused. Um, it's a lot more fighting oriented. A, a stunt guy, I think, was at the helm of that one. It's a, you know, I, I like stuff like that. I like interesting. I also so does think... it come down to editing or does it come down to the story? Well, I, no, it's always story for me. Always, always, always. Um, but it's, I think also that Extraction took risks when this movie didn't take any. I don't think this, I think. Again, I think Chris is right when he said this movie is pretty much by the books. I don't think this movie took any 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 major risks either, which I was hoping it was going to, given the caliber of the film of the directors who have made some good things. Well, they also made Twenty One Bridges, which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But sure, sure. Well, maybe um, they were following the formula that they know works and brings in viewers, which is the Marvel formula. Oh yeah. So I mean. They play it safe. Not saying it's the right choice, but it is a choice. Um, but I mean, my point is, I think it's going to be a dropout. Now, there's no way to measure this box office monetarily because Netflix never releases those numbers. However, if it was if it was number one for eight days and it's now number seven, then in four or five days, it's going to be gone completely from the top twenty. I'd imagine. So, I mean, that's it depends pretty- on what else they release. I mean, there was I mean, like I think, five things a week. Why? What is it? Um, Purple Hearts, I think, was the one that they released that took over the number one spot. Oh, did it? I just saw an article about that. I need to. This one I, I want to watch also. Um, I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of some Netflix movies. Other Netflix, Netflix movies, I'm not. But it always tickles my fancy when because Batman: The Dark Knight Rises was also put back on Netflix yeah. weeks ago, and that was in the top three for like ten days. Like that's a movie from 2012, people. What are we still? Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I think people ultimately prefer theatrical releases to Netflix movies. That's just one of my theories that I'm, I'm kind of working out. But, but that was before that... COVID, though. 
What was? Theatrical releases. Um, some people are still afraid to go to the theaters. Oh right, no, I totally get that. But I mean, The Dark Knight Rises being on Netflix was still number, you know, still in top three for like a, a long time. And that right. movie's that movie's ten years old. It is no, granted, it's Nolan, Batman. I get that, Christian Bale. But I mean, still, it's to for that to happen. But I mean, Grown Ups was also in the number two spot for like six days in a row. So mm-hmm. well, let's not, you know, let, let grain grain of salt with 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 my theory there. But I'm still working on that. But, mm-hmm. The Gray Man. Hmm. As we move to as we move to score it, um, I'll go first if you don't mind. This is the this is the section where we we score the movies one th- one one through one through ten, ten being the best, one being the worst, and whatever number you feel like it it ultimately deserves. You know, re- re- removing as much as you can your own bias either way. Just the number best reflects what you think the movie is, and you're allowed to go halves. You're allowed to go point fives as well. So. To me, this is unfortunately a six, and I say that because I wanted to give this movie a I I wanted to give this movie a nine or a ten in my head. I'm like the the Gray Man with the Rousseau brothers, with Ryan Gosling, with two hundred million dollars, with Chris Evans. This movie's gonna be a nine. It's gotta be a nine. And I I think I'm even being generous with a six. I think I'm being a half point generous. So you're up there, Kate. What do you think? I say a seven point five or an eight. Wow. Okay. Okay. What do What do you? I would watch it again. again. I would watch I, it again. It's. Well, got, I'm definitely gonna watch it again. It's just. Go ahead. It, it's got staying power. I mean, they. Uh, it moves along really nicely, so it's something you could have on in the background. Except for the torture scene. Oh, no, I, I agree. This is definitely if you're doing something, if you're cleaning or, you know, doing something in the living room, just throw this on and just kind of glance up at it every once in a while. Yeah, easily you could do that. 100%. I do agree with you on that. But, all right. I think we're a little, I think we're more than a number or two off. <laughs> so, it's Sorry. interesting, though. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> no, no. If you think if you think that's what it deserves, what it deserves. Um, interesting, though. So, Kate, how was your uh, podcast debut? it was interesting (laughs) there you go do you now before you did this you really were kind of apprehensive of talking on a podcast how do you feel now about the same really it's still (laughs) different how's the uh how's the how's the vodka you're you're drinking this whole episode treating you oh pretty good (laughs) (laughs) is it just straight vodka or does it have something with it it's vodka and sprite there you go nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that I could. I only ask because, like, when I before we, of course, we were talking before we started recording. I'm like, now I kind of want one, and I just heard whatever you just shook the glass around with the ice cubes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, now I want one very, very badly. So, <laughs> okay, thank you for joining me this evening. I, I appreciate you hopping in. Oh well, thank you. I hope to have it was you on fun. future episodes. Um, yeah, your your accounting your accounting knowledge will be interesting to some people, I'm sure, out there. One when one day when we do an accounting centric episode. Oh goodness! I'm, You're I'm gonna get everybody. Get, <laughs> I'm trying to get Jill on. Now she says she won't do it, but I feel like if I keep chipping away at her, Jill is the um, Jill is the accountant that Kate and I both work for, and Kate has worked for several times now. Yeah. On I met them on Harold and the Purple Crayon in Atlanta, so I feel like if I keep asking, if I keep chipping away slowly, Jill will agree to do an episode one day. Oh, one, one day. day I'm sure. <laughs> oh, Jill, Jill. Um, all right, Kate. Anything you want to say before we before we 
start the outro? Um, not much to say. Sorry. <laughs> mm. Well, this has been episode 289B of For the Love of Cinema. Each new episode posts every Tuesday and Friday morning at 5 a.m. on the podcast service of your choice of the following five. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe. Every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you very much for listening. Check out the show on Twitter, at Love Cinema Pod. I'm at Grayson Maxwell One. You, do, you, do you want to insert your Twitter handle, Kate? Or oh, no, thank that? you. No. <laughs> okay. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, always posting things on social media. Check us out at For the Love of Cinema Podcast at gmail.com. Send us an email there. And next week, we're going to be taking a look at DC League of Super Pets and Prey on Hulu, which is the Predator movie, the prequel. Very excited about that. <laughs>